0: What's wrong with this thing? I think it's busted. Busted.
1: Alright, what's happening? Ladies, and gentlemen, those beyond the binary, poets, perverts, explorers of all kinds, tramps and thieves, elbows and knees, snowflakes with their hearts on their sleeves, but at least they're not poisoning the rivers and obstructing basic justice. Oh! Off to a good start. Welcome to Buzz and Mouth on Q4 Radio, a show about rock and roll, sticking it to the man and your big stupid feelings. Streaming around the world every single Monday from 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. on Apple Radio, the TuneIn app, 1680 a.m. in Chicago, and of course, QUE4.org. I'm JW Basile, your host as always. Happy Monday. Hope it's going well for you. You deserve it. It's the first. It's sunny today in Chicago. I don't know where you are. I I don't want to get too far into the weather, but I I looked at it. We literally had one sunny day in all of January in Chicago. Very temperate, not super cold, not a ton of snow, like really relatively very easy to navigate. One day of sun and it wasn't even the whole day. Uh, But now two back to back. Woo! It's almost balmy uh, Don't be, by the way, don't be one of those people Don't be one of these white people who walks around in shorts and flip-flops Because it's 48 degrees outside Don't do it, knock it off You're embarrassing us all uh, <laughs> Where are we? Um, oh, yesterday, big uh, big Super Bowl The old, um, who the, uh, the grizzled prospectors ultimately failing to, uh, to, to, to subdue the outdated stereotypical synecdoche of a slaughtered people What a dick. Uh, Congratulations to the people of Kansas, uh, those of you out there. And just ask our president, who tweeted as much after the victory before being reminded that while Kansas has a Kansas City, the Kansas City with all the sports teams and the acclaim and its own song in Oklahoma is the one that is in Missouri. As everyone in the whole damn country knows, 11-year-olds are aware of this. What a dumb douche now. Are you serious? You're the president of this country. And I, Look, I get people make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. But, like, it's once a day with this guy where I go, come on! you got to be kidding me. No one else finds this ridiculous. But the economy! But unemployment! Unemployment is low, and that's exactly. Unemployment is low. Which is what happens when a large swath of the populace has to work multiple jobs to make ends meet, only to pay off their massive debt that you keep telling people they have to take on in order to get a good job eventually. It's a, it's a trap. <clears throat> you want to know who wins? Uh, so anyway, that's fun. Let's not. Come on, just pump the brakes today with all this. You had fun yesterday. You know what was fun last night? Um, uh, whilst the whilst the game was afoot. Uh, We watched, uh, Renee and I watched uh, Star Wars, completely alone in a luxury suburban theater with fancy recliners, all mystery science theater style. It was beautiful. We got to sing along with the theme song and make comments and be like, who's that guy again? Oh, right, from the first, okay, yeah, all right. right, right, And you could do it without having to whisper, so you could actually talk out loud. You know, and when silly things happened, you got to make small comments to each other that you know normally you wouldn't do because basic human decency and things like that and I hit the vape pen with wild abandon cuz no one was in the theater and we giggled and we cried a little and it was a delight thanks Super Bowl in general you can eat a bag but please never stop existing because I just found my own personal christmas amen i i woke up feeling exhausted as usual uh, for for the insomnia bug makes a cruel be- bedfellow but uh but I, but I was feeling generally pretty impressed with myself. Like, I can't believe... I had this idea, and I can't believe that it worked. And then, uh, as I was leaving the house whistling a little bit, I pulled a muscle in my neck while putting on a hat. But anyway, seriously, uh, the Super Bowl play is is really the jam. And you can try it, too. So instead of participating in the the mindless dribble grinder the nfl machine has become take advantage of this whole new world like it's a whole it's a it's a brand new you know whole new, just, there's no okay whatever it's a brand new world go to the mall like when was the last time you went to a mall it's probably been a while maybe because it's just kind of a nightmare every time but it's not when it's 73 percent empty not when you can just walk into the apple store no wait i didn't get a chance to do that but i knew it was possible and i saw that it was possible uh but we did we got we got pedicures we ate corn dogs we purchased things for our bed and also perused the sections both bath and beyond uh we caught an italian beef we walked just straight into the movie into our seats and never had to move we had tableside margarita and guac super fast we were home before 10 we walked right in to one of those upper end chain restaurants with actual good food but i never enter because like a i don't live in the suburbs and b i refuse to sit on a bench like adult waiting for the red buzzer to light up in my lap uh not on new christmas not on New Christmas. New Christmas gets you a quiet booth of your choosing all alone in the back, in the dark section. Glorious. Now, if you choose to participate in New Christmas, here's how to roll. First of all, give me credit. I want New Christmas credit. This was clearly my idea. I am the only person to ever think of going out when everyone else is staying in. I'm I'm a pioneer. <laughs> okay, but seriously, uh, if you do choose to do it, like number one, um, the suburbs is a good look. If you can swing it. If you live in the burbs already, Sorry, but even better, even better, even easier. Uh the burbs, you know, are look, let's be real. They're they're full of generally basic white people and basic white people are predictable, hence basic and and they just simply cannot resist making appetizer platters in their home with their loved ones. And it sounds nice, right? Well, tell nice to piss off. You know, it's nice pillaging their eateries and entertainment complexes with reckless abandon. Reckless. Uh this still works in the city, by the way, because the, of um uh, what's that thing called cultural diversity but because of cultural diversity i think it's called you're looking at more of a dice roll it's it's a little bit hard look it's definitely easier to go around as long as you're staying away from bars and stuff it's definitely easier to get around uh in the city than it would be on like a normal you know night normal saturday or whatever but still it's not it's not like the suburbs where it just where tumbleweeds just start blowing down eight lane divided highways and uh and you know tears uh theoretically uh, kind of like form in the eyes of a best buy it's you know it's what it is so anyway uh d- just do the thing and and do things that you don't often do so what's that number 2 great number 2 do things you don't often do i don't know why i ma- why am i making a list out of this but if you if you're going to do it go for it you know like go go to the restaurant with the with the with the blue drinks and the stupid names and the firecracker shrimp heat, uh... Um, Roll up, uh, deep fry, whatever. Like, just order that stuff, or or like go to the super nice restaurant that you can never get into on a regular night because like they always have a wait or uh, or they don't take reservations or whatever. And just be like, eh, go do that, or 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 just say to hell with it. Like, drive, just drive until you until you see one that looks good because every place is damn near empty. We just like walk. We were at, uh, I'll admit, we went to Old Orchard Mall, uh, the Westfield, and we just kind of like circled and went like, oh, there's one, there's one, there's one. Which one do you want to go in? What? Well, yeah. And we just like. Kind of just walked into one because it was great. Uh, you know, it was it was good. It all worked out. You know, go do something fun. Go holler at some go-karts if, one's, if you could find a place uh, open. Or, or, hell, drive your actual car. Just enjoy driving your own car because the roads are clear and parking abounds. Go get dressed up. Live a little. Avoid anywhere with a TV, obviously. I hope this goes without saying. But, uh, hey, let's hit up that Buffalo Wild Wings. It's not what we're doing here. You should pay attention more. Um, and then the last one, uh, be super nice and tip like crazy. So speaking from years and years and years of experience, no one wants to work on Super Bowl Sunday. It sucks doing shows on Super Bowl Sunday. It sucks working in a, in a in a restaurant on Super Bowl Sunday. It blows. Your friends are all out enjoying themselves, and unless you work at a sports bar, you're working a dead-ass shift, making no money. So tip like crazy. Be super nice. Take this as an opportunity to say hello to somebody look them in the eye you know whatever it is uh you know try go out there make someone's day it's christmas after all it's christmas tis the season capitalism still wins but maybe you can too Generally enjoying your life Because you deserve it You do Allow yourself to believe it Even if I don't believe it for me You believe it for you Good for you Uh, And good for this guy Again Killing it with the segues Killing it with the segues Uh, This gentleman chose that track Uh, He's He is an actor and a playwright, uh, a producer. He does all sorts of things. He's a a, a theater artist extraordinaire. His name is Joe Ramsky. Say hi, Joe. Hi, Joe. Everyone does that. I just got to stop plugging it that way is is the thing. Um, So I'm going to slide mics in while we do that. Why don't you tell me um, you chose this track from Gang Youths. Why don't you tell me why?
2: Yeah, sure. So um, they're one of my more recent favorite bands. Uh, I discovered them in 2017 when they released this record. Um, I heard them at a time in my life when, you know, I really needed to, I guess, and uh, I saw them for the first time in the spring of 2018 with uh, my girlfriend, Sarah, and she, we hadn't been to a concert yet before, and uh, we were actually driving down to Texas to see her family, for me to meet her mom for the first time, who was very sick and has been for the past mm. several years, and so I was like, oh, honey, I'd really love if we can go see these guys, haven't yet, like, sure. they're up on the list, and she was like, oh, yeah, okay, and so we went... Um, I always have trouble with venue names for concerts, but uh, uh-huh. it is it is it it's the one where it has it levels. You know what I'm talking about. You can you can like go up to the second level and then where, see down. Where is this? It, it's here in the city. It's, uh, I think it's in Wicker. I want to say it has um,
1: levels. Was it subterranean? It was subterranean. Yes. Okay. Yes.
2: And uh, so we went there. I spent um, way too many time, way too much time I, in, in concert venues in this town. I know. Yeah. I know. I figured you'd be the person to help <laughs> uh, me with I, this. I appreciate that. And yes, yes. go ahead. Go ahead. Um, but yeah, we we went and saw them, um, and they not only floored me. I was expecting to be floored, but they floored me. But they also floored Sarah. Sure. And we both were also like, this this lead singer, he's he's a. You know, if, if one of us got the chance, like we would, we would both be okay with you know just you hooking know, kinda, it up. Yeah, yeah. yeah so he's yeah. on he's on both your lists. Oh That's my good. god, That's yeah. Good. That's yeah. always fun when that happens, right? Because yeah. then you you know you have a you have a, a new like person to bond <laughs> over, and you're like, oh my god, yes, you know. <laughs> and he makes great music. But we we saw them, and it was just such a such a like beautiful experience and so we started driving to Texas immediately after the show ended at like 11pm Oh wow! and all we did was listen to all their music and That's we drove great. we drove down I think to like Champaign and, and stayed in Champaign and then continued driving to San Antonio Texas yep. thereafter um, and then yeah it's uh, just since then I've been following them they're starting to blow up I really hope as I told you that they get the big money, yeah, and the big yeah. radio play
1: yeah, and you hope for that I mean, and I know the model is different, and everything about uh if you don't know if you're not into music industry stuff then then you don't understand all this, and it you don't have to care it's just the the model of what used to make money and how people used to make a living in the arts and how people um used to commodify music is is just different It's mm-hmm. a changing model the same way theaters changed everything's changing yep, uh, and we have to adjust to that, but you know if the in a perfect world more often than not the cream rises at yep. some point right yes now bad stuff rises too oh, but, yes. but generally if you're great and you really affect people you get someone in the in the right in the gut to the point where they want to listen to all your records back to back if they drive to texas yes. you're gonna be okay mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. gonna be okay so yeah. like if we we if you just if you if you give people the opportunity to find it and you make good stuff that matters eventually it's going to get to the people it needs to get to yeah
2: yeah the good cream people know good cream when they pause taste it <laughs>
1: What is wrong with you? <laughs> uh, good for you. I, you had this, like, just for the listeners, Joe had this look on his face of, like, he. I knew what he was doing, but while he was setting it up, we've, uh, so for full disclosure, Joe and I have spent quite a bit of time together. Um, I used to uh, run an ensemble called the Chicago Slammarks Ensemble Theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe did quite a number of shows. Was it, how many did you do? Four of us? Uh, Three? I,
2: I think in total four that I wrote and performed for, but I, right. I performed in two. Oh, you just, oh, yeah, that's yeah. right, that's right, that's right. Yeah, so yeah. You
1: did a bunch um, contributing as a, as a writer, as an actor. And all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. we we've spent a bunch of time together, and in yes. this Q4 uh, building before it looks like it does now.
2: Yeah, yeah. I was saying when I came in here, I was like, I was just blown away by how much stuff is in here yeah. now, and like how beautiful it looks, and how like lived in it feels. Sure. Um, because when I when I was first coming here for slam work stuff, it was just just getting off the ground, and there was still yep. a lot of like construction happening, and yep. like yeah. And now it looks like a an art palace, which it's I love.
1: Pretty, it's pretty cool, and we we're trying to do more to bring. People from the public give them the opportunity to see the space and bring Mm -hmm. people in more, and there's you know licensing and all that kind of stuff. But when we first started coming in here, it was just we were all really excited after being like an itinerant, weird group of somehow like catches catch can um, weirdos. Like we, it was I I was really excited to have a have a space and have a a regular rehearsal space, and that was all really cool, and everyone was was pumped for it. But it definitely was. All right, DIY art, cool, good times, (laughs) and now it's like, oh, this is
2: like a pro place. Yeah, we were like rehearsing around pieces of walls that hadn't been like mounted yet. Exactly. Yeah, it was, it was fun. Oh yeah,
1: so we spent some time together. So you'll have to excuse us if we uh, if we dip back into into hey remember back when kind of stuff uh, which was like last week if you listen to Tegan Tegan Walsh Davis also of course was in uh, that ensemble yes. and um, recommended you actually to me I yes. didn't didn't know you had uh, had Tegan not sent you my way
2: can I can I tell that story really quick uh, about you absolutely how... can yes okay yeah so Tegan um, I I saw Redlined, uh and I saw Tegan and a bunch of those other Fools Redline
1: was the second show of our first season that
2: I directed and the lead writer on that was R.J. Eldridge just yes. for credit go on yes yes um And it blew me away, and I was like, "Whoa, I need to do stuff with these guys." And so I talked to Teagan, and and she's like, "Well, we're actually looking for people for our for our next project. You should audition for bass." And I was like, "Who?" And she's like, "Yeah, the guy guy. (laughs) Serge." Yeah. And so then I think I think we exchanged some emails, and Mm -hmm. you were like, "Yeah, come come to this bar that I I work at, and uh, you know, no one will be there. You can do some stuff for me." And I was. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I was, like, very nervous about this because... No, you didn't tell me that, no. I was I was incredibly nervous because I just, like, Redline was just so good. Oh, and I was, like, these people geez. are all so talented. And I, I think I had performed some poetry that I'd written, like, once before. Sure, yeah. At some, like, tiny DIY reading or something. And so I was, like, I came in and I, like, did something for you that I wrote mm-hmm. ages ago. And you're, like, yeah, yeah, okay. And I was, like, okay, yeah. yeah. And you're, like, yeah, so this is the thing that we're doing, uh, you know, you can... Uh, we start at X date, you free, and I was like, yeah. And then I left, and I was like, did, so did that go well? I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> and then, uh, and then we did a show where um, I took my clothes off and uh, got whipped. Yeah, stuff. That w- well, <laughs>
1: well, for disclosure, it was it was a cabaret. The idea was we because we had to completely conceive It was entirely contra- uh, not contrived theater. It was devised <laughs> theater. Yes. Um. So it was this like we had to come up with a concept, and mm-hmm. then we would essentially use um. Poetry is like the base plate for everything. But from mm-hmm. there, like sketch would develop. Narrative, um, you know, some music, all kinds of stuff would, would develop. But it all started with with spoken word poetry. And then mm-hmm. we would build theater from that. And the shows all had different feels. Some of them were just straight up reviews. And some of them were show, straight up showcase. Some of them had a longer narrative arc. This particular show had a narrative arc. And we didn't know what we were going to write. But Tegan and I, I don't remember if it was Tegan or if it was me, but we kicked around this idea of like a cabaret show in hell. Mm-hmm. Like, ooh, so then we're like building this world of hell and building the rules of hell and building all this stuff and like what if we did a burlesque number like that be that would freak out a whole bunch of you know <laughs> uh, older white patrons that yep, that'd yep. give us money uh, let's do that so we just like made this this cabaret show in hell and I was it was I was like man we worked real hard on that thing. And I was really, really proud of it. Um, actually, the, sh- the the photos just came up on my, hey, remember this, like, on the Facebook oh, really? the other day. And I was oh, like, man. oh, what a bunch of sweethearts. Um, but, yeah, when, when you came in, it was I, – I knew that you weren't – like, I do a lot of character references. So, like, if I found out you weren't a pain in the ass, you weren't difficult to work with, and you had – and you could, you could write. I'm like, okay, so if he comes in, he's not a dick, and he can perform – Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, and it was yeah, it was in the hi hat, the old fabled hi hat that we've talked yes, about in the show. The a um, I was yeah, because it was back when I would just I'd be in there opening the hi hat, yeah. mopping up from the night before, and it was just like, I am going to be here anyway. Mm-hmm. You want to just come by? So you came by, and then Nate Cheeseman came by like twenty minutes later, and I, I oh, hired, was that? Quick? Yeah, and I hired Belty on the spot. Oh man, it was just one of those like, yeah, you yeah. know what? I really crushed it today.
2: Yep, yeah, <laughs> <it> was,
1: <laughs> like we are in good shape. Um, oh man, so it's really it's really good to see you, man. Yeah, I am uh, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I mentioned to the audience that it's. Um, it, sometimes, like you work with people for so long, and then you see them all the time, and then you just don't see them anymore, yeah. and you have to go. Do you want to work on a project just so we could be near each exactly, other? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to come to my radio show? Right. Um, yeah. Cool. So let's turn it away from me a little bit and a little bit uh, away from the the backstory and get into uh, let's get into some questions here because I want to yeah. I want to dive into this. Uh, the question I ask uh, everybody, aside from like why they choose the track, those that do choose choose a track. Um, first album you ever remember, ever remember buying
2: with your own money. Mm, that's a good one. Um, the first one that I remember buying with my own money is uh, the 1990s classic "Enema of the State" by Blink 182. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I and I remember I had Wh- to. Which was the remind me? I'm sorry I had to cut you off. What was the single on "Enema of the State"? Uh, it's uh, all the small things. That's that, like gotcha. The, yep. Mm, okay. Got yeah, it. and it, it was the one that has the the nurse on the cover with, with the like, rubber glove. Yes, uh,
1: Stace. Uh, she was a porn star, right yeah, I always forget
2: her name too oh, I feel real Lane, bad. I think it was bloodhound Gang. go on please but yes, i I remember I had to have um an an, an adult buy it for me because of <laughs> the cover <laughs> and the parental advisory sticker, but it was my money oh uh, yeah yeah and, yeah. Uh, and this was this was also like after um we were we were one of those families who like you know pirated music for the family uh if that makes sense did you ever do no. you ever go through so my dad like when we were when we were kids and I was like in middle school, I was like, oh yeah, you know I, I want to start." buying cds sure. because i wanted to have friends and be a person and um he was like well why don't we just burn everything you know and he, he'd like download down, down LimeWire and everything and started. your dad did yes wow. because he was he he's a music lover as well but i think that in his brain he was like oh i can get all this music that i've been spending money on right. all my life for free he's nothing if not frugal exactly yeah and and then our computer you know i uh, got a bunch of spyware on it and we had to get a new computer so but uh that was that was the first one that i remember being like i'm just gonna buy this with my own money um and then uh yeah that and i i still listen to punk music yeah <laughs> punk music punk um, music yes
1: Uh, what was the, what was the pull about that record? I mean, obviously those songs were everywhere, Mm -hmm. but like,
2: was there a specific thing that you remember just really loving about it? I mean, I remember, I remember a bunch of my friends listened to it and one of my best friends got me into them and he was like, he was like, oh yeah, they're, they're like funny and they sing about like dick jokes and poop jokes and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, I remember it being very catchy and very like high energy, but also a little bit more like accessible at the time than than like the kind of music you know like that kind of music that i guess that my parents listen to you know sure particularly my dad because my dad has always been a rock and roll kind of guy and then this this just felt more i don't know like palatable to my like 12 13 year old brain it you know? definitely
1: it definitely uh has has uh drawn targets on 12 year old oh yeah junk like it just mm-hmm. it makes sense for that
2: yeah yeah and they also I mean the think the thing that i think is still valuable about them as a band is that like they they had all that like immature stuff you know they oh, sang sure, about yeah. immature shit but they also sang about stuff that was a little bit more um uh, uh sad boy again for lack of a better term yep. you know there there's they started to really kind of go in that direction and then like i remember when i was in high school they really gravitated towards like their feelings you know there was a, there were some feelings mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh and and I think that was that was probably something that was present for me there a little bit too. And I was like, oh, okay, they're not they're not just gonna sing about like wanting to get laid and dick jokes and, mm-hmm. and all that you know like right and farts right. and stuff. Um, yeah. Was it so? It was uh, all the small things. Was that also What's My Age Again? Same mm-hmm. album? Uh, no, What's My Age Again was the next one I think, which oh, okay. is Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. But uh, one of <laughs> I know, right? I never,
1: I never. (laughs) Yep. Uh I
2: completely forgot the title of that album.
1: Yep. And I just don't think I heard, I don't think I've heard. Take off your pants and jacket. Take off your pants and jacket (laughs) since, since it came out. And like, just, it's such a, it's, it means so many different things 20 years later.
2: Right? (laughs) How did I never catch that? I don't know, but yeah. Oh, what a schmuck. Yep. (laughs) Not, not, not. Not that you're a schmuck, but no, no,
1: I am. Uh, we're both we're in our mid thirties here, laughing about taste. <laughs> take off your pants and jacket. That's funny. Oh, uh, yes. Oh, good times. All right. So, Blink One Eighty Two, rock and roll. What, what, we say your
2: dad was into rock and roll. Mm-hmm. What did, What did that mean? So he was uh, very much a listener of classic rock, like he he cl- classic, you know, like seventies sure, stuff. Era, yeah. Um. Some of his favorite bands are like he loves Pink Floyd. He loves Supertramp. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. 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 And and I just I mean. I love those bends now after I like got taste, you know right. and I was like, oh, okay, I, I see what my father loves about all of them, but um, I, I think at the time just because it was all the stuff that my parents would like play in the car from their CD collection course, that my yeah. dad burned over the you know just like when he was on a tear <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I, you know at first I didn't I didn't I think it may have been a bit too complex and like mm. a little bit too nuanced for me. And I was like, I just want something that's a fast and and you know. Catchy. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, and um, so he's he's always liked a lot of that stuff that's more from his era, and uh, I've tried to I've tried to get him in a little bit to you know some of the more like I guess like modern music, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, but he's he's still very much like into a lot of those guys. I did also recently, I think it was last year for his birthday, I, I bought him. Um, he recently got a turntable again after yep. not having one for several years. So I got him a couple of records, and I got him The Wall, which he was pretty excited about. Who doesn't want The Wall? I know, right? Just I mean, just another brick in the wall, but yeah, it's all good. I mean, it's Um, another
1: one of those double albums that needed to be that really only needed to be like ten songs, but hey, but there's two
2: albums. Exactly, exactly. And it is like you know, Pink Floyd's crown jewel uh, next to Dark Side, but yeah, and then um, another one of his favorite bands, which is actually we saw them at the Taste of Chicago a number of years ago, is uh, Los Lonely Boys. Really? He, yes. He's he. I, this kind of I think I can he, see, actually I can see that. Yeah. I can see that. He he found them I think because he likes Carlos Santana so much. Yeah. And like it probably was a thing where it was either recommended to him or they were recommended to him or like it was one of those things. He doesn't use Spotify, but whatever whatever you know like sure. Whenever he was creeping on Limewire back in the day, uh, he was like, oh wait, yeah, and and you know those guys also just tear it up. Like yeah, I sure. think we I think we've seen them twice and they just kill it. Yeah, those just straightforward Tex Mex bands. Mm-hmm. I mean who doesn't love that kind of stuff? Yeah.
1: Um that's that's cool. Did you ever have did you ever have like the one friend with uh whose parents were divorced? Yeah, you know the one friend? Yes, but I mean like the my, one <laughs> friend. But there was always the one in my in my experience, there's mm-hmm. always the one friend with the uh, parents that are divorced. Who still has the cool dad who's like, yes, listens to Wu Tang or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you're like, this is mm-hmm. weird, but isn't it cool that like we don't have to listen to? <laughs> yeah, that we could listen to Motown? the Motown. Like, yeah, we exactly. Have to, like
2: as much as I liked Motown, I was like, isn't it? Wouldn't it be cool if I could put on my records in the mm-hmm, car? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, I did have I did have one friend like that, um, and then I also had one friend whose whose parents were not divorced, but his dad. No, no, actually, it wasn't his dad. It was his mom. Mm. Um, Because she also ended up driving us to a bunch of concerts when we were teenagers. There's always Uh, the one cool mom. Yes, and so she would she would like. I think there were a couple times when she went with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, yeah, yeah. And she, you know, she was she was always like singing the songs and everything. She was very she was very uh, open minded and and sort of exploratory with her music taste. Yeah, yeah. I remember when she actually. Um, this is this is a funny anecdote, but when I was in high school, yeah. um, one of my favorite bands was the band Incubus from Calabasas, mm-hmm. California. Hey, what up? Yeah, and um, uh, I got... Uh, my friend and I went to one of their shows here in the city, and I got his mom into them, and so she is uh, still a fan, as am I, to this day, which I think is just a wonderful thing. Yeah, I had a friend uh, named Matt. I'm going to just say his name. Matt
1: Dingledine. I don't know why. I, of course I remember why, but like he was a friend... <laughs> But it wasn't like we weren't super close, mm-hmm. but I always got invited to hang out like at his whenever it was your mom whenever it's your mom. Uh I don't know. I'm <laughs> not speaking I'm not speaking very well. Um but his mom used to like hang out. She used to follow the dead. She had like a bunch of cool oh, friends. Man. They like all, you know, would drink and smoke yeah, pot yeah, and have yeah. a bonfire and stuff and would like have a camp out. And then it was always i always got invited to come to these things so it's not like we were super close friends we had different lives and stuff but Mm -hmm. i really liked hanging out with his mom who talked to us like adults yeah talked to us like people you Mm -hmm. know um and we were able to talk about concepts and music and things that were a little beyond your average suburban parent yes um and so i was always into that and she dug that i was his friend who wasn't like who was you know a little more thoughtful and liked the same kind of music Mm -hmm. we could talk about guitars and yeah so it was that was like one of those like man Every now and again someone had that mom's like what Dingledine's mom is the chaperone on the zoo field trip yeah it's like what, yes what? yes <laughs> it's like we can we, you mean we can like talk like we talk like, yeah <laughs> like be ourselves <laughs> we can and, be ourselves and yeah. hang out that uh, was always well, cool
2: there's also there's also i feel like a a flip side to that too because like i I feel like once you're you know when you're that age and you're with an adult that like gives gives off that vibe and, and yeah. is sort of like that open to having sure. those conversations sure. and everything then like you know not not every teenager is also willing to uh to do that as well, because I feel like a lot of them can sometimes be like, "Oh, well, I don't have time for the adults," but sure. like, you know, it, it 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 takes it's a it's a you know it's a two
1: way street, of as they say. I was always like the precocious. I wanted to hang out with the adults, not the kids at the party. Mm-hmm. I was always that way. I'm still. That, I mean, I'm still that way. <laughs> obviously. But um, uh, I as a kid would just be like, I, "Can I hang out with my dad's friends? Like, can I go places with you? Can yeah. we all go stuff?" As opposed to like, I don't want to hang out in the basement with the other kids, but right. Then, playing bumper cars or whatever like i want to do i want to do fun stuff you had a bumper car well no I don't but, I don't know, but i don't know why i put bumper cars out of the sky, out of the sky I like, but like I, I just always would much rather hang out with the adults and have and like listen and be and mm-hmm. learn about adult stuff and like hear listen to adult conversations it was always way more exciting to me than uh hanging out with kids which is how i got like a really annoyingly big vocabulary at a really annoyingly young age <laughs> it really served me well as a kid <laughs> but now it's worked out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you're doing. So uh, you are. Um, you are. You're a. You're a playwright and mm-hmm. obviously an actor. And you. You know. You write and create and do all sorts of great things. And
2: um, you. Uh, you want. What are you working on right now? Yeah. Sure. Um, so I'm currently. Uh, coming up on the third week of doing a show up in evanston with a company called mudlark theater mm-hmm. uh, which does theater for youth and young audiences Yeah, yeah they're um, a great theater company yes they're fantastic to work with um i'm part of uh, their adult acting ensemble and what that means is um they don't just do shows with and for young people oh they, i didn't know that i thought they were doing only youth they they do most of their shows all youth but then uh i think for like two to three shows a year they have shows that have um roles for adults in them and so they they have a couple of us sort of like in their stable and then they'll also put out audition calls for people to come and work with the company um and it's it's really cool for the kids because they get to you know see what being a professional actor is like and like talk to an adult who is like doing this for money Mm -hmm. um to kind of ask them what that is like and they also i hope get to learn some things from us about just like not only acting but also like being a good collaborator and, like, being quiet backstage. Sure. Um, But then uh, they – so there's that. But then it's also nice for us because it is kind of a very restorative thing to, like, you know, be doing this thing that I love but is also very, like, trying and tiring sometimes and, like, there's not a lot of money in. And then to go and do it with young people who are really excited about it and, like, they're learning things from you. And, you know, in some cases they'll they'll start to kind of, like, ask you questions just about, like, why you do this and, like, that kind of stuff. And so that's really – um, just, like, restorative and, and, like, kind of reminds you why you do it in the first place, you know? Sure. Um, and the show the show that I'm doing right now is called Concerning Foster. Um, our good friend Drew Smith uh, co-wrote and co-directed it. Um, really? Yes. He co-wrote it with Kenya Hall. Do you know Kenya?
1: I know that name.
2: Kenya, um, she is also a, an actor and sure. writer and general maker of things here in, in the city, and um, I believe she works for Steppenwolf now. Okay. Um, might and, be I know Yes, and uh, she um, I know her because she did a show with my old theater company, The Ripon Project, before I left there, um, and then I heard that she was writing this with Drew, and I was like, hell yeah. Um, but they they wrote this, and it's about the opening and closing of the first integrated school district in Evanston. Mm-hmm. And The show is in three acts. The first act is in the 50s, um, when they decided to integrate the schools. The second act is in the 70s, when the program has been in full swing for a decade, uh, and then white people decide to close it. Um, and then the third awesome. act, yeah, its it's a... It's a real, you know, fun time in the second act. Uh and then the third act takes place in modern day um and it kind of mixes up the formula of the play a little bit before the play ends. Uh it's a really great show and it is sold out for the entire run. Haha, ha, sucker. Yeah, sorry everybody. No, congratulations on selling it out though. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a this has also never been a thing that has happened for Mudlark in in their entire history. Like we sold out last week um before the first I think or right after the first week of yeah. weekend of shows and yeah. so it's been great um
1: yeah and yeah. it's I mean it's the right time like I it's certainly the right time and and it makes perfect sense that Drew would be on this project mm-hmm. like it's all it all makes sense I yep. remember when Drew first was applying there and I think I was, was there maybe a reference for him or him I don't know I just remember him getting this gig and being yeah. excited about it yeah. so I think it's really
2: great that he's continued to like he's really found a home there he's the director of education there now oh really yes oh, and oh, uh good for Drew yeah he's he's killing it man um and uh I Drew. Um, What's he, up, dude? He also, I mean, like, the play is just impeccably written. Like, his fingerprints are all over it. Um, it's great. Also, another person who works there is Felix Mays. Get
1: Mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. I love that you all uh, still work together like Felix Mays was another person that was in the ensemble theater yes. uh, I just think it's and I don't hear from sometimes I hear from you all um, and some like I Tegan and I talk all the time but like yeah. I don't I don't hear from a lot of you um, so when I do find out that you're playing together it's it really it really does warm my heart a little bit yeah
2: it's it's nice because I get to um, those those three people Felix, Drew, and, and Teagan um, are really the ones that I see the most frequently um, and I was recently I was also like I need to hang out with Baz yeah yeah um, I but, live on the moon, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I get. Don't that. we all? Don't we all that. live on separate? I'm, I'm moons. worse than I used to be. I
1: don't know. I'm I'm trying. I'm really. I'm actively trying to work on it right now. Same. So. I feel you, man. Uh, it's it's hard. You know, it's it's uh, it's what it is. And uh, yeah. of course, you know, the the ensemble theater ended in a unceremonious uh, fashion. Yes. Uh, kind of, sort of. I don't know. It was just. A, it was a hot mess the way it ended. And I, you know, of course, you wish like things would have gone differently. I wish we could have done a lot of different things, but yeah, it, it had to. There was no option. It had to end. Yeah. Um. So I'm just glad that people. Continue to do stuff and compete and, and continue to think warmly on the thing that we created. Oh yeah, absolutely. right. Because it's not so much like, man, those shows were great, and a lot of them were really good. And that's not what I'm saying. But it's really when people think that like the process and the thing that we created, and um, I you I used to hear from this choir director all the time, like it's not about product, it's about process. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that was complete horse-pucky until <laughs> um, I actually started to work with that ensemble, and I was like, mm-hmm. I just loved building this thing. Yeah. Even though it wasn't always easy, and sometimes it was hard and contentious and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was just it was something like it felt like we we cared about each other
2: Honest, oh absolutely and and honestly like my favorite part of the process was usually the the like the writing room but especially the first few weeks when we were like what do we want this thing to be and people would just bring in all kinds of stuff and you know we had all kinds of different people who were part of the writers rooms as well um and even when i talked to people about that theater company today They're always like, oh, that sounds that sounds so rad! Like, yeah, right. When you guys doing your next show? I'm like, well, yeah, yeah." everybody's everybody's off doing different different stuff. Different stuff now, yeah. So, I mean, there's been talks of like a reunion show. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what we would do or how we would do it. I know it would it would have to. I feel like it would have to be a very specific thing to get everybody on board. And then also, I don't know how we would go about it. Sure.
1: Yet, yet, yeah, and I would i feel weird about like where I would fit in there because obviously it was, it was, I was the artistic director of the company, and mm-hmm. so like my, my word was the final word in most things, but I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't, I i like to think I wasn't a dictator about stuff, no. Um, thank you, but <laughs> <laughs> thanks for, thanks for affirming that. I tried to be good, um, but I, but it would, it, I wouldn't like if I were to work on stuff, I wouldn't want to be necessarily in charge, sure, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, like I don't, I don't know if I want to be in charge, again yeah, of that, that, that kind of thing, um, so it's like, well. We'd have we might have to bring in an outside director to do yeah, it. Yeah, it's
2: well, it's it's particularly difficult, but just because like we all have such, I feel like we all have such reverence for each other's work and processes and stuff yeah. like that. You know, like I, everybody in that group, like yourself included, I just revere so much as writers and creators, and so yeah. like I wouldn't want to be the person to be like, yeah, let's not use this yes. because then I would I feel like I would be overstepping my yes. boundaries, you know. Yes. and so yeah, we would have to probably get somebody that we we also all. Trusted to corral All sure. of You know our, You our... have to have a lead writer
1: Exactly When we established the lead writer In the second show Because the first show Was so like We had no idea What the hell we were doing Yeah, yeah We yeah. cast this huge on. It was like 13 people In the first ensemble and we just, was that robots we robots yeah. Yeah, one, yeah one day we we're all robots which i'm very proud of as, as a show that we were able to like pull out of the sky in <laughs> in two months right yeah um it, i was really proud that we were able to do it i just was like it was so slapdash and how we we put this together and it was mm-hmm. so it all fell on me because i had no idea what i was doing right, we had right. no budget sure um and then by the second show i was like okay we have one person that's going to be the person right that's going to be contribute a lot of the work is going mm-hmm. to like Sort of be there, and then I, as a director, stepped out in for Redline a lot. Not all the time, but like if we had three writing sessions in a week, I would only be there for one to let Got let it. things happen without my influence, right? Sure, sure, sure. So I can look at the writing as a whole, and there was somebody else that was kind of corralling things, so I could look at it as uh, a piece of staging as opposed to let's get the script together, right? So yeah. um, it's important to have a lead writer. It's important to have a director because somebody has to be steering the ship. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't, I think I'd much rather just contribute and
2: yeah, you know, be a I, part of it. Same. I, I also, um, as you know, have had. A brush with like running a theater company oh and yeah it's a <laughs> it's a, a thing oh yeah yeah um you learn a lot about yourself and how to manage people mm-hmm. um but uh, it's a thing that i'm not eager to do again um maybe like for you know a show like like you said leading a show of some sort directing a show again but uh yeah that's this you know the slam peeps are sort of a different yeah animal
1: well it's amazing how I don't know if you feel the same way, but to me it always feels amazing how uh, when you're in it, when you're really doing it, you can't imagine doing anything else and you Mm -hmm. can't stop. You can't Mm -hmm. stop working on uh, thinking about the next show. You can't stop working on the script. You can't like, you just are, I was just in it. I Mm -hmm. couldn't stop. And then as soon as it ended, I was like, felt this huge withdrawal and then had this period of, I, why did I ever do that? Yeah. Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're just like, you're like, how did I even, I mean, I still think back to when I was like, you know, Years ago, when I first moved to the city, sure, and I was like still living at my parents' place and like commuting to my my horrible server job, and then also like in doing there. a show at the same time. And I'm just like, how did I do that? Like, mm-hmm. I get I get tired before I even wake up today. So yeah. these days, so like how how did I manage to get up at like four in the morning and get home at like half past midnight? And then and, do, and just kept doing it. Yeah, yeah. And you know, the same goes for like these days, even like working on multiple projects at the same time. I was I was just telling somebody like trying to like act in a show and then spend the rest of my week like revising another one that i right. wrote and then also like having to get ready to you know help market another thing and like you know just having all these irons in the fire sometimes i'm like is it all just one iron now like did it all melt into one that's- you know i feel like, very seen by that comment yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: i really do yeah, yeah. Uh, i feel the same way and i think that obviously when you're in your 20s it's a lot easier cuz you're biologically still like either making babies and not sleeping cuz you're tending to babies <laughs> or you're or you're chasing buffalo
2: or whatever yeah. so
1: biologically that's still a thing there's i, I like <clears throat> that
2: that's the the gradient that you chose to to use to either oh, yeah. ch- chasing buffalo or making babies or making
1: ba- so Renee brought this up Renee, my partner brought mm-hmm. this up and we were talking about like how did we ever do this in our 20s like yeah. how did we never sleep and still exist it's like oh right because biologically, you're not supposed to sleep much because right. you're, you're supposed to have a baby, yep. you know, yep. or whatever it is. <laughs> but strictly biologically, yep. um, and oh yeah, or you're supposed to be hunting all night or whatever. Mm-hmm. It is. So like, sleep is a thing that you don't need as much of. Right. You get older and, and things change, you and also need you sleep, and you work, and you do. You need sleep, but you also like, uh, from an artistic standpoint, the way I look at it, like I. I always wanted to do so many things. I want. Yes. I want to have this show. I want to. I want to build. I want to do a one man show, and then I want to release an album, and I want to put this book out, mm-hmm. and I want to get this. Mm-hmm. I want to get this uh, essay published, and I want to do nine million things. Yep. And then over time, like once you've done them all, you find I think the stuff that again to not overuse this
2: cream rising idea, like the stuff that really matters mm-hmm. starts to float. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I I think I told you I recently over the past few months have been doing freelance work yeah, to yeah. to kind of make ends meet, and that has been a very like stark harsh reality that I've had to face because I was like there was a time where I was like, Oh, I finally have all the time to like do all the things that I wanted, you know? Yeah. And and now I'm finding that I'm like, okay, so I need to make sure that I do the jobs that will pay me and pay me well. And then I can, you know, do the things that will pay me okay. And then I can focus on the stuff that, you know, is not gonna pay me immediately, maybe, but, you know, for like maybe a little bit of a longer game. You Mm -hmm. know, like writing shows, getting things produced, like, all that kind of stuff. Um, but there are also even some things that are starting to fall by the wayside a little bit where I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe maybe I need to, like, do a little bit of less of this, you know, or maybe, like, this one show that I got offered to audition for, maybe I don't audition for it, you know, yeah. like stuff like that where, you, you know, like you said, you have to go towards the the, <laughs> the cream, mm-hmm. uh, the creamiest of cream. Let's, and really, let just, it... let's really put a fine point on this, you know? <laughs> Yes. Uh, yeah
1: you really have to you have to and you've got to care because you can't care about everything yeah like you just can't yeah uh, you can in your youth but as you get older like you also don't want to yeah oh, the yeah. stuff that I used to get so excited about like i if i don't i have to go to this open mic because it's important that i be a part of a thing that mm-hmm. then people see that I'm on it's like mm, no one cares like, yeah you get to exactly a certain age exactly. and you also you get to a certain age and there's nobody your age at the thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you go oh there's a reason oh that's there's why a reason. Mm-hmm. um as much as i would like to and I do have friends that are younger than I am obviously but like Uh, as much as I would like to be the guy who is older than everyone but everyone walks in and wants to hang out with like that wise sage older yes. guy that happens in a, in a theater community yes. or an open mic circle or a the, uh, the yeah.
2: Obi-Wan of of the uh, yeah, yeah sure mm-hmm. and well
1: the cool Obi-Wan like, not yes. necessarily like the, the guy who shows up and he's like I'm quite old and I cannot go to the cast party <laughs> yeah but I have smart things to say like I mean,
2: like vintage Ewan
1: McGregor Obi-Wan yeah that mm-hmm. kind of thing yeah like everyone's
2: like oh, he's older but
1: I like but we all like it when he's here like right. we don't feel strange about it right uh, I know that's not in the cards for me like I know that's not <laughs> the case and I I worry I don't know if you worry about this but as a writer or as a musician specifically I worry about um am I gonna be the guy who just plays like lame old people venues yes yes and like my audience is just gonna be lame old people mm-hmm. and not lame because they're bad but just like oh it's it's we have to do this, the show has to be done by nine thirty, or people right. won't come out you know right. that kind of thing it's like yeah is this what I'm gonna become I I,
2: I feel like that uh all the time. Um, and to me, the, the thing that is a little bit more uh, active for me in that worry is that I will become so entirely out of touch. Yeah. You know, like, uh, there, you know, there's, there, there are many musicians even, like, and, and just performers and everything, who are, you know, obviously older, and they're still sort of on, they have their finger on the pulse of, of, of whatever conversations are being of had in whatever yeah. medium, you know. Um, and I just worry that I think that I know what is uh, interesting and, and mm. sort of, like, of the present moment. But that I'm actually like deeply misinformed. Yeah. You know? Well, you have to keep progressing. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with like with dads
1: that, <clears throat> excuse me, um, and nothing against our dads, right? But like there's something that with, if you're a dad that only listens to the records you yes. listen to when you were in your 20s, yes. there is something about, there's something that gets lost there. And it's yes. not just music. It's, it's I think it's theoretically, just just spitballing here. Mm-hmm. Like I think it it really is indicative. The people that only listen to the music they listen to in their 20s cease to progress in thought yep in politic etc etc as they get older that's Mm -hmm. why you get people that are like were the the most progressive guy the most progressive white guy on the block in 1978 Mm -hmm. who now says stuff that you know gets the chicago SlamWorks ensemble theater shut down yep you know yep (laughs) sorry (laughs) but that i do think that's true like there you have to continue to progress it's important i agree Mm -hmm. it's really important yeah um I, I don't know. I'm just worried about it. No, I feel it's you, a man. Thing in my head,
2: I feel you, I, 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 and I feel like that's a thing that, especially as you know, like uh, white males. Um, that for me, anyway, I just I, for, I have this like inherent fear that I'm I'm like, you know, entirely screwing up the you know all the time. I guess sure. Um, and something you know that's like I said, just that's ever present. I think a little bit that I'm like not aware enough for some reason. Especially because I had uh, – I think I've told you this. I, I came from a relatively small town and a sheltered community, so was I it always – Geneva or – which one was it? Lamont. Lamont. Illinois. Yeah. yes. Uh, I love the place dearly, sure. but uh, I just remember going to college and being like, oh, oh, this is what the world is like. <laughs> right, you know? right, right, right. Um, so I, I always – I think that's always sort of like a, a little bit of a present – Uh, ever-present anxiety for me. Yeah, Yeah, and we worry, like, why is it so progressive in the cities? And it's not the real America.
1: And it's like, well, it's because people that are in cities are around people that aren't them. Exactly. They're they're exposed to other types of thought. Mm -hmm. They're exposed to other cultures and ideas and people. And you have to coexist and you have to learn. And it's really hard. It's really hard to, like, live in uh, a, a thriving metropolitan city and still be an active racist yes yes i'm not saying it doesn't happen it obviously does yes yes. but it's kind of it's it's a lot harder Mm -hmm. it's a lot harder yeah yeah. But it's so easy when you go to like, places in the middle of, of rural America. And I'm not, I don't want to dog on rural America necessarily. But it's really easy if like, the only people that you ever talk to are older white people, mm-hmm. people that have the same experience mm-hmm. as you, uh, knew you since you were a child. Mm-hmm. Every place you go into has Fox News playing. Yep. And it's like one thing. Yes. It's really tough to just understand that there's a whole other world out there. Mm-hmm. I, it's like the first time that I – I remember the first time I had the thought – that I didn't believe in God mm-hmm. or I didn't uh, uh, follow Christ. Mm-hmm. I remember having that thought being like, is that, is that possible? Yeah. Yeah. Is it possible that do people not just like, I had a kid in my choir that like his parents didn't go to church. And I was like, there are parents that don't go to yeah, church. Isn't that,
2: isn't that crazy? It's re- mind blowing. I, I, I grew, I went to Catholic school through oh, eighth yeah. grade. Yeah, and yeah, like, sorry. I remember, it's okay. Um, <laughs> Still dealing with it. It's yeah. fine. Um, real. Yeah, it's not like I talk about it in therapy every week. Uh, nope. But anyway, um, I remember having that same thought and being like, "Oh wait, you can opt out of this, and like, I'm not gonna just burn forever. You know, like I, I'm not gonna, I'm not suddenly a bad person for like right. not wanting to go to church every single week. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it's I, and to my young brain, I was like, "What? That doesn't make any sense." Um, and then I grew up.
1: Yeah. You know? <laughs> are you uh, are you still a follower of the of the JC?
2: You know, no. Um I I go to church when I'm home with my folks and uh-huh. on holidays and uh, I still have a sort of um spiritualist view on the world if that makes sense where I okay. I I do believe that there's some sort of higher sure. thing at work. Um and to me there's there's too much uh there's too much evidence in nature and biology to say that everything is just kind of randomized so we're either you know so there's either some some something that is calling the shots if you will or we live in a simulation um which i think is (laughs) okay obviously the easiest you know uh, solution to these questions um but yeah it's it's funny because i don't know if i can ever truly like say that i would be able to not have that kind of outlook on existence yeah yeah
1: I'm just curious. That's why I'm, no, asking, sure, that's why I'm sure. asking. I mean, there are some people that are, there, there are people out there that, you know, are, are of the, the Aquinas view of like, look, things are moving. Mm-hmm. Someone had to start the movement. Right. 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 Um, and then there are other folks that are like me that are like, hmm, I don't know what started the movement and it doesn't matter, but I know for sure that eating shellfish isn't going to put me <laughs> in hell, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that any institution that still preaches that can go itself. Yes. You know, it's yes. just my feeling. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, and say so, like with, with churches, I, if eh, I don't go into Catholic churches, um, I'll go for a funeral if I have to. Yes. But generally it's you know once I once I stopped caring about Catholicism as a concept mm-hmm. and uh Jesus as a savior and all that kind of stuff. Not that I was ever really into it. I mean this was young. I was young when yeah. I started to started to distance myself from that. Mm-hmm. Um So as I got older, I was just like, I don't believe it. It's whatever. I don't... I'll go to church. I don't care. Yeah. But the more and more I have learned and investigated and uh, looked into the Catholicism as a concept and the church and how it operates and the papacy and all that, Mm -hmm. I'm just like, that's not... I don't want anything to do with this. Yeah. I don't... Like, I can't... Like, when you, you... It's like, how many people need to... How many people need to have their lives ruined before exactly. I, before I stop giving money to this? That, organization? that
2: was that was a big thing for me as well, yeah. and it's it's funny because I I still um, the the like foundational uh, teaching of like Catholicism and, and by extent Christianity that I think is valuable is that like you know JC was all like treat others the way you want to be treated. Sure. And I'm like yeah okay like that is that. Yeah. exactly like that is a thing that I can get behind. But then you know you talk about all the horrible things that the church has done over yeah. you know the the hundreds of, you know, thousands of years that it is... Not thousands, but, like, you know, how, however long its existence has been, sure. and you're just like, wait, so if that's supposed to be, like, your golden rule, if that's, like, the, you know, the slogan that you put on your billboards, and then y'all are doing this? Mm-hmm. Like, wh- what are you what are, you, what are you doing? Yeah, like, vow of poverty, but you're gonna put a $50,000 gold
1: roof on yeah, this Yeah, exactly. Seems kind of silly.
2: I, I also... Um, well, I, I'm mentioning this because I know that you're a fan of uh, this individual as well. But I also I always come back to the Milleniy bit where he talks about going to church for the first time in forever and they the change in with, your, in with your spirit. Yes, bit. that was exactly. my bit.
1: <laughs> really? I was, for the record. Look, parallel thought. He didn't sure. steal it from me, but sure, I was sure, 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 I sure. was doing that bit on stage before I saw him. I do did it. not know that.
2: Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah.
1: Similar. Very similar. Yeah. The in yeah. with your spirit thing, where you're like, oh yeah, you know when you go to your yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Please, no, I no. cut you off.
2: No, no, that's, I mean, I, I always just think of that because I was like, yeah, of all the things that the church could have, like, I don't know, fixed, that's the one thing that you guys were like, you know what we should do? We should change the things that sound really weird and archaic and make them sound even more weird and archaic yep. when everybody, you know, like, zombie-like responds in mass and with your spirit. And you're like, but now, now, now you definitely sound like you're part sure. of a cult, you know? Like, <laughs> now for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, but so my, my, my amateur theologian partner, um, who just find who's a genius and just figure just thinks finds it interesting as a thought exercise uh-huh. uh is um she explained to me well actually here's why your bit is stupid <laughs> or, or, <you> know, <laughs> it's like well the and with your spirit is actually closer to the original translation and they were saying and also with you as a thing and, you know i'm like oh uh-huh. okay just ruined my parade um but the and with your spirit is is uh, something i just i don't know man i i still know people that were like you know Mass was so much better when it was in Latin. I was like, how? It was better when you didn't know, when it was just like ritual, cult, chanting. Yeah, exactly. And you didn't know what the hell. And it's like, no, we did. They taught us. So it's like, you had you to know, learn Latin so you could go to church?
2: Like, that seems absurd. My parents talk about that. My dad specifically, because he also went to a Catholic school. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. it was it was back in the day when, yeah, they forced them all to learn a dead language just for this, <laughs> this you know, very, very... Uh, ancient yeah. ritualistic uh you know thing yeah. that they would go to sometimes twice a week. Yeah. I'm like, "Oh god. That but, sounds
1: and horrid." And if catholicism's your thing, like do do what works yes, for you. Yes, but like absolutely. I'm not I am not an adopter of, of such things. And um I know people that are our age that are actually still really drawn to catholicism because oh, yeah. they love
2: the pageantry of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I was talking to somebody recently about how once I kind of, you know, got off of got off of catholicism like, theater and art kind of became my religion a little bit. And yeah. there's, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, like, common ground there, I think, and just, like you said, the pageantry of mass and everything, and the, just also the ritualistic aspect. And also, theater is also another archaic thing that, you uh-huh. know, has been around for forever. That uh, people but, throw money at and get nothing back from. Yeah. Exactly, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Um, they, they uh, you know, pledge their lives to it and then uh, right. die poor and alone. Uh-huh. Um, but, <laughs> but... um uh, it has it has changed with the times. Uh, sure. Ironically enough, sure. Unlike certain other in- institutions, mm, yeah. Of the religious, we'll, I mean, we'll nature. get. I, I don't want to spend too much time on this. Yes. but I.
1: I can. I'd be. <laughs> will, you know, but I'm not going to. Yes. Um. I. I mean, for my for my thing, I always had. I had a lot of good influences in the church, like the same, same. CCD leaders and all that kind of. Like I. I didn't have a lot of bad teachers. I didn't have bad. Like I actually had good. Um. I actually felt good about like the priest that I work with and I know that there are good priests out there working and and that's absolutely Mm -hmm. the case. It's just like, you're part of a really corrupt system for the same reason that I know and have met and hung out with good cops. Yes. And I also know that there are a lot of bad cops and that the system protects bad cops, which Mm -hmm. is why I don't, Trust the system, yep, not yep. each individual person, yep, right? Yep, yep. Good. So we've established this. <laughs> and cool, that's our show. Yes. No, um, <laughs> all right, so let me tell you the story of... Uh, you didn't do the Super Bowl last night. No, I did not. Okay, so let me tell you the story. I did it for the early listeners, so you can fast-forward a second. But so what? here's what happened. Um, Renee hit me up on Saturday. She's like, you don't have to go into work until 5. Do you want to go we get pedicures and stuff nice i like having nice feet so yeah you. absolutely um so uh you know we would like sometimes we'll just go and get a pedicure hang out mm-hmm. go, go do whatever uh do you want to go eat lunch that sort of thing and i'm like you know i kind of feeling more home today mm-hmm. but tomorrow is the super bowl mm-hmm. and i don't have to work the super bowl sunday for the first time in a very long time i don't have a show i don't mm-hmm. work in a restaurant i don't have to do any of those
0: things. <laughs> mm-hmm. so
1: wouldn't it be cool like maybe we could try out um go into like a movie or something. And, and we realized that we hadn't seen rise of Skywalker because I uh, am a total dick and can't be, I hate it when other people are in the theater or when too many, like you're too close to me. I'm yeah. very uptight about it. I just like, I like it as a, as a private experience. Yeah, right? yeah totally. Um, and I typically don't see the kind of movies that a lot of people go to, but star Wars, obviously yeah. hugest movie in, you know, in the ever. world ever. Yeah. Um, so it was just packed everywhere. But I went tomorrow, there might not be anybody there. Mm. Let's go to the suburbs where we can drive smart and park mm-hmm. and i guarantee there'll be fewer people yes. because of lack of cultural diversity yes. everyone's doing everyone's the same doing thing, the right? same thing. Mm-hmm. so we rolled the dice on it i'm like we got pedicures and then we got hot dogs and then we went to a bed bath and beyond and oh. no weight no line no nothing Ugh. uh we went into a portillo's we went to did all that stuff and then we went and like walked right into rise of skywalker and i go and we, you know you pick your seats and i pick the mm-hmm. seats. And we're the only ones in the theater. And it's 20 minutes ahead, so you never know. Mm-hmm. But I'm just so like, per- I've got perfect seats. Oh, we got these sweet recliners. You, I was going to say, did you get yeah, the nice chairs? The nice, oh. It was beautiful. Yeah. And then no one showed up. Oh and we just got to God. sit in Mystery Science Theater the whole thing and, like, you know, make jokes about Adam uh-huh. Driver and all that uh-huh. kind of stuff. <laughs> but it also, like, if you've paid real close attention to Rise of Sky or any Star Wars movie as an adult and you mm-hmm. have to be quiet and focus on it, there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of disbelief where you just have to go, hey, get away, get yep, away. Yep. We have to bat it away. Yep. Um, and it kind of – so it's hard for me to, to get all the way through it without making a couple of jokes. Totally. But the fact that you could have someone to sit there and make the jokes with, but then also, you know, get choked up when so-and-so does so-and-so certain things yes, and yes. certain characters do certain things, yes. spoilers or whatever. Yeah. Um, I I enjoyed it. Again, I didn't grow up with Star Wars, so I don't really care about canon. I don't care about what the story is. and the I'm just like, this is a fun thing, and it's nice to see it end. Mm -hmm. And I I just had fun with it. I know you are exactly the opposite. So as I was sitting uh, in the theater with my feet up, making jokes, hitting a vape pen, enjoying my life, I was thinking, I got Joe Ramsky in studio tomorrow, (laughs) and he's going to hate everything I have to say. Uh, Uh, Please, let's do this.
2: Yes. So um – I did not enjoy the film, um, as a film or just because of other things. Both, all of the above. All right, so take it apart for me. So uh, I um, I saw it on opening night with uh, my girlfriend Sarah and my good friend and uh, collaborator Zach Weinberg, um, mm-hmm. and we Zach and I are kind of on the same page about um, Star Wars, and then also. Ryan Johnson, who d- directed the last movie, and J.J. Abrams, who directed Rise of Skywalker, sure, and um, we're both we're both ardent Ryan Johnson fans. And as soon as the the details of this movie came out, I was like, J.J. is gonna nerf this one real hard um, because I've never really been a J.J. Abrams fan. Uh, I think that he makes very pretty looking movies, but I think that he is not a very good writer. And I think his whole central conceit of like the mystery box. Do you know Do you know about this? No. Is like, his philosophy of storytelling is that uh, he he always presents some sort of like central mystery in a lot of his properties, you mm-hmm. know, and that um, the the sort of hook for the audiences is, is like, you know, getting getting to sort of like look at this mystery from all angles, and then uh, kind of being taken on the journey to kind of the revelation of what is inside this mystery box. Sure. And the problem with that is that he doesn't do payoffs very well. Um, okay. The mysteries okay. are always very compelling. But then the the sort of thing that is inside the box is usually not nearly as compelling as the mystery itself. And looking back at what you're saying, I'm looking at some of the look at the movie yesterday,
1: which I enjoyed, but there are definitely some points where I went, that was a real easy way out of that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Sure. And
2: and like everyone always talks about lost. We're like the concept which of I've lost never seen. um it's it, it's fine um yeah I, that's what i, I i'm yeah. like it, it's clearly not for me but yeah. yeah and and like the the sort of like log line of lost is great you know it, everybody is on this plane and they crash and they get stranded on this island and like there's something not right with the island but then um i didn't even see the whole series but like the the payoff is not that great um from what pretty much everybody has said and yeah so i was i was like um, Force Awakens was a very good movie. He did a great job with it. He, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I did. I did too. He set up a lot of like cool things for you know these new characters and like it had a lot of fun callbacks and everything. And like I, I get iffy about nostalgia being used in in things for sure. various purposes, but I was like, yeah, I enjoyed this. Um, but I didn't like Rise of Skywalker because uh, right away with the Emperor coming back, I was like, well, you clearly didn't like anything that happened in the previous movie. And what I really loved about the Last Jedi is that it it kind of strips away all of the excess, and you're left with this conflict between um, spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen the Last Jedi at this point. Get your life together. Yeah, yeah, for real. Um, you're you're left with this central conflict of, uh, Rey and Kylo Ren. Yeah. Like, Snow. Super dead. compelling, by the way. Yeah, and and like Luke, Luke is off the board. You know, he get yep. he sort of takes himself out and everything. And so like, and we we also get this. I loved Kylo Ren as a character because like he he's the most compelling villain in Star Wars to me because he is a person who like. Came from the side of good and, yep. like, comes from a loving family and he, he like, gravitates towards the dark side and, like, he wants to be bad, but he keeps kind of getting pulled back towards the light or whatever. You sure. know? And so, like to me, that was really interesting because, like, there's
1: because it's every suburban kid you ever grew ex- up with.
2: Yes, exactly. <laughs> but, but also because, like, we there was never there was never really a villain like that in Star Wars because they were no, all. Like, there was no conflict. It was pure yes yeah, and no. Yeah. Exactly. Like they were they were just evil. You know, yep. like uh, like Palpatine, and that's yep. that's the whole that's one of the whole things is that like they bring Palpatine back for no reason. And it's this is not a spoiler. It's literally it's in, in the, the first two minutes. of the Yeah, movie. and like if you've seen a trailer, you hear him laughing and being like the dark side of the force is a pathway to you know all that all that practice that voice
1: haven't you
2: yeah um <laughs> it's fine um uh. but but so there's that and then i i also just as the movie went on um they had all of these different plot threads some of them that were brand new and then some of them that were kind of from the other movies but mm-hmm. it felt like a lot of the the stuff with the the central characters you know like finn poe ray they were they were having these sort of like resolutions to their arcs that didn't fit the the established psychology of the characters, yeah. or like what was so interesting about the the subversions that existed in their archetypes previously. So like yep. in the first movie, like uh, Finn is introduced and he is kind of a relatively like new character. He's a stormtrooper that defects, mm-hmm. and um, he kind of has shades of, of Luke, but he also kind of has shades of Han a little bit. And like so, he's not one. You know, he's not he's just an archetype. like exactly. And the same thing with Rey. You know, like she has shades of Luke. She has shades of Leia. Poe has shades of, of Han and Leia as well. Um, He's like a hotshot, you yep. know, starfighter pilot and everything. And so, like, they had all these interesting, like, spins on familiar archetypes. And I was like, this is really good. And then in this last movie, they do some things that just kind of try to sandwich everybody back into, like, hmm. the original archetypes. Like, there's, yeah. there's a thing with Poe, spoiler, where, like, they kind of talk about his past and they're like, oh, he's a spice smuggler. Just like Han Solo, and I'm right, like, why? Right, right, why are right, you guys right. doing this? And and
1: I didn't catch that. I was like, what? What's a spice smuggler? I didn't yeah. catch that because I
2: haven't seen them all. Okay. I haven't seen them all three hundred times. I've yes, seen them all yes, once. Yes. Right, yes. Go on. Um So there's there's that stuff, and then like the the whole thing, the big deal with like Palpatine coming back, and like the sort of twists that happened from there on out, just felt very lazy to me, and and sure. like Abrams and Co. were like, okay we're not going to investigate this more interesting conflict between Kylo and Rey. We're going to kind of have a cop-out and bring back, you know, quite literally like the devil of the Star Wars universe who is nothing but pure evil. Yes. And that's why the end of the movie feels very much like a final boss battle in a video game to me.
1: Yeah, but isn't, that's kind of what, it was going to I mean there was always like what the first three movies were going to like the final final boss thing I I totally understand what you're saying mm. and in most in anything other than Star Wars I would completely be on your side sure in this particular case I'm like it's 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 a bunch of Friends sticking it to the man, like who doesn't love that? Like I was, I was, I was just into it. I liked, I thought it was funny. There mm-hmm. were a bunch of good laughs in it uh, that were totally unexpected, like oh, yeah. really good buttons and stuff like that. Yeah, um, the new characters were fun. The the uh, who's the guy? Oh, um, uh, Babu, the little yeah, alien. He was guy? a lot yeah. of fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just overall, I just, I, I just looked at it as this is, I know. I am going to completely suspend my disbelief. Because if you try to take this apart logically, every time you're like, oh, really, that's how you got out of that? Of course. Oh, really, there's a trap door? Or whatever. Yeah. You're just like, every time. Uh, yeah. So if you I, if I look at things that way, I will never get through the movie. So mm-hmm. I have to just kind of go, this is just going to be fun. It's just going to be a really good-looking movie where a bunch of fun friends and interesting, fun characters – Sure stick it to the man and, and fight evil mm-hmm. and to me like that's okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's yeah. okay because I don't watch any of those kind of movies at all like comic book movies all that kind of stuff isn't my thing I got but you. in this particular case I just like I like just uh, I like that it's kind of cute yeah and I'm fine with that mm-hmm. yeah and I I I, that. but I understand I
2: understand your point yeah I totally do I got you there there were um, <laughs> can I tell you about one of so I, I'm, I'm also not necessarily particularly with like you know Star Wars the person to make jokes during them and, and talk through them. You're um, not the person? Yeah, well, because, especially the first time I'm viewing it, because, like, I I don't know, I, I like you said, I did grow up with Star Wars, right. and it's, it's, you know, I'm one of those people where, like, it was so central to my upbringing as, like, of course, yeah. a big piece of pop culture where, like, the first time I'm viewing it, I want to, like, be engrossed, you yeah. know? I'm that um, way at concerts. Like, everyone shut yes. up. Yeah. <laughs>
1: He's playing the solo! <laughs> like, I get
2: that, yeah, go Yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, there, there, there was a certain point in the movie where I was, like, the suspension of disbelief was a little too much for me, mm-hmm. even for Star Wars mm-hmm. to be like, yeah, this is like a, a logical leap that I'm willing to take. Um, just because I'm, I, at, at this point in my life, like my brain is constantly analyzing the mechanics of stories, just because I've spent so much time, of you course, know, being in As the, a and, writer, yeah, yeah. exactly. And and um, uh, about midway through the movie, my friend Zach leaned over to me and uh, he he said. I'm not trying to bash the movie, but every time that the Knights of run on the screen, they just look like a space version of Slipknot. And I <laughs> lost my shit. I made a
1: similar joke where I was like, this, this is a metal video, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> When they're doing the big like crane shots over the desert, yeah, and like uh, guys in black hoods, I'm just like, is this is this a Creed
2: video? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they're all just standing there with their like you know uh, cool looking but relatively useless against a lightsaber yeah. tools and stuff. And you know they, they're just standing there, and I'm like, what what are you guys doing? Like, yeah. are you just doing anything? And it's fun to unravel it when you're like walking you do
1: in the hallway scene, and you're like, i man, there is not a stormtrooper that can shoot yeah. in this whole. Empire, mm-hmm. there's not a single stormtrooper who can shoot. And It's like, and why do they? And like, why do they have to wear these units? And then I think Renee said uh, it's probably the helmets. I was like, wouldn't that be ridiculous if it was like old back in the day? It was the helmets. Like they can't see out of the helmets, which uh-huh. is why they can't shoot. And it's like, well. I like the helmets. We got to go with it. And it's like, well, yeah, but yeah, could we maybe get something not <laughs> Some, in white? So, they don't make bulletproof in white. We had to go with what we could go with. <laughs> everyone that they had. Right. Everyone can, like, you know, fall off a cliff and survive, but like a stormtrooper takes one shot in the armor. And It's yeah. like, up, oh,
2: it's over. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Die but, in slow motion. They, um, if I could uh, uh, put on my Star Wars nerd glasses for a second, they actually uh-huh. uh, draw attention to this very thing in um, The Mandalorian. Uh, oh, do they? Yes. They, they, they. I haven't watched it yet. It's very good. Um, they make fun of themselves. Oh, good. Pretty hard and a good and about that. Good. Uh, without spoiling anything. But
1: can you think about how the whole time I was making fun of it in my head, and it's it's rife for the picking, but mm-hmm. rife for the picking. <laughs> um, great job. Uh, the it, it certainly is. It's it's certainly right. But I I also go how amazing was it that George Lucas, like it, regardless of what you think about George Lucas. Mm-hmm. How amazing is it that he was able to, like, conceive this as yeah. a concept, and it became so iconic. Mm-hmm. Like, the idea that he went, you know what, let's make all the troopers in white, and we're going to have all this thing. And, it just, and he built a world, like, literally built a world that a canon exists inside yeah. of. Yeah. It blows my mind.
2: I, I'm one of those people who never disparages George Lucas. I mean, yeah, he's made a lot of questionable choices as a creative person sure. uh, in, in some of his flicks, but... I respect him for that exact thing because, because just as a – he's – everyone is like, oh, you know, they, they give him so much flack for the prequels and everything. But he's like – he's not necessarily a, a writer so much as he is like a kid with a lot of toys and like a, a sort of inventor and builder of these things. Big imagination. Exactly. And, and um, you know, I, everyone always rags on the prequels, but I'm always like the prequels are good in a way because they build on the world and the universe of Star Wars in a way that these new films, I would argue, don't necessarily. Um, And he also just, like, there was, I think I was, I read an interview with, like, somebody like Seth Green or somebody who talked about meeting Lucas, and he's like, yeah, you know, everybody gives him so much flack, but then when you're in the room with him and you see him and you're actually talking with him, uh, you're like, that's the guy who invented R2-D2, who came up with R2-D2. Yeah. And um, fun story, I was actually walking, uh, this was a couple years ago, on Chicago Avenue, um, like Chicago and State, past, uh, the Soup box, R.I.P. And I walked past George Lucas, and I yeah. almost peed myself. I
1: found out why you watched walk past George Lucas yeah. yesterday. You did because he see. I don't. I can tell this, right? Sure. Yeah, of course. He has um, a, a highly trusted dermatologist in Chicago. Really? And I only found this out because um, someone who will remain nameless uh, has a coworker who will remain nameless who went in there to like pick something up or had to like follow up on an appointment or something. Oh. Went in. Mm-hmm. And the place was empty. And George Lucas, she's like, is that George Lucas? That can't be George Lucas. But this guy in the waiting room is staring a hole into me. And then she walked out and she goes, that was George. Oh, my God. We have the same dermatologist. And he buys out all of the appointments for the day.
2: That's nuts.
1: So what happens is. I happened to walk in and like ruined his inner sanctum of dermatology. Oh, man. And it's just like, I think that's, I mean, that, I'm sure that's not the only reason he comes to Chicago, but I know that that's a, a link he's got to the city. That's Dang, weird as hell.
2: That's crazy. Isn't it? Yeah. That's so strange. That doesn't make sense though. I mean, man. It, it does.
1: I, You know, if you're George Lucas, I, and I was thinking about that a lot. I'm like, he's got so many bajillion dollars. Like how, of course, if you could buy out the doctor's oh, yeah. office. You'd buy out the doctor's office. Mm-hmm. I totally understand that. Yeah. So, a couple quick questions about Star Wars before we move on. Yes. Uh, and start to wrap this thing up because I, I could talk to y'all day, but obviously yes. but we're running out of time. Yes. Um, the is there a cl- is there a clone? Is there um, uh, <laughs> there uh, are many uh, clones um, in the Star Wars is universe? Is there a prequel mm-hmm. that is better than any of the final six?
2: Um, I don't think so. Uh, I think that there are prequels that maybe. See, the thing with the prequels is that, like, they, they have the seeds of very good very good movies, but, like, they're just written not well, Sure, you know? Um, so I, I wouldn't say that any of them are better than the, the new movies as films. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that they're more creative, just in terms of, like I said, the world building uh, coming up. Like, the thing that bugged me so much about this new trilogy is that all of the planets, pretty much, except for, like, a couple examples are the same things from the original trilogy. You have okay. like desert planets. Yeah, yeah. You know, like even the planet that Rays on, I was like, oh, it's Tatooine. And then they're like, oh no, it's Jakku. And I'm like, so it's tattooing. It's Tatooine. It's, tattooing. it's got two sons. Yeah, exactly. It's 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 basically the same thing, you yeah. know? And they tried to vary it up a little bit, but the thing that I, I loved about the prequels is that they introduced all these, you know, and, and Lucas was also at the time like having a heyday with all of the new CGI technology okay. and green screen and everything and that's why a lot of the acting is so bad is because they're acting against literally nothing a lot of the time but. and
1: yeah like a lot of those big scenes I was thinking about going like I know because I know about movie making I know how mm-hmm. they shot this and Yeah, how are they doing this because that set doesn't exist exactly like that whole ship isn't real right. how are they doing this yeah. um, and I could. I was thinking about it from an actor perspective a lot just going like that's under the circumstances, that's some good stuff.
2: Oh yeah, and and like especially if you've never had, you know, I don't know what everybody's like training background is, you know. for the Most cast. of the audience is not trained. No. Y- yeah. Oh, yeah. you mean the cast? The cast, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, the sure, cast. Sure. Like, um, they they probably, I mean, I would imagine, Ewan McGregor maybe has some classical training, and I know sure. Ian McDermott does, yep. um, because I've seen him perform live oh, of on course, stage, yeah, of and he's great. But like, I, you know, some of the other actors, it's just like I don't blame them for like, you know, not being able to turn in Oscar worthy performances because. Acting against nothing is so hard. So you know?
1: hard. Well, and like even acting with uh, 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 an alien, whatever. Yeah. And it's like, oh, you're interacting, he's interacting with this alien. It's like, that's not even a thing. That's a tennis ball on a stick. Exactly. That they're using as a facsimile. Yeah. That you have to somehow emote with. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's impressive. Yeah. All right. So uh, none of them are better. And then if you had to rank them, obviously, you don't need to worry about the, uh, the early, the prequels. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you had to rank them.
2: Oh, man. Um, I, for me, uh, I feel like Empire Strikes Back is always going to be in my top I feel slot. Like that's everybody's. Um, but not mine. But go on, because I don't care. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I, yes, I remember that now. Um, clo- very closely behind is uh the last jedi i okay i loved last i thought jedi. last
1: jedi was dope i didn't yeah. know why everybody hated it so much
2: i don't i because oh, it was non-canon y- yeah people were getting upset about dumb things and i was just like yeah but this is an excellent movie right you know, like this is a very well written very well made movie anyway yes. um thank you for coming to my ted talk everybody uh but <laughs> yes so i would say empire uh last jedi um new hope force awakens return of the jedi episode three uh what am i missing and then the rest of you're putting rise of
1: skywalker all the way at the bottom
2: no i think rise of skywalker i I don't know it's it's really fresh and the the, the wound is really fresh Mm -hmm. but i just i I just think that it is in terms of again in terms of like a movie and in terms of a story sure sure. it is so messy and like so sure it's it's also so indicative of like Modern trends in movie making, mm-hmm. you know, where it's just like it's just constant, you know. Go, like, go, exactly. Go. And and I I wonder. I don't know. I need to see it again too before sure. I can kind of like definitively be like. Sure. Well, actually, it uh, ranks you know fifth on my list after yeah this one. Um, I look at it yeah. like oh,
1: I hope this is fun, and I'm curious how they're going to wrap all this up. Yeah. Oh, and they did. And mm, they did. not agree. And some some of the points you're like, I really agree with that. And some yes. of the points you're like, mm, yes, not what I would have done. Yeah. Not that I you know whatever, but like not that not what I would have done. I but overall I thought um I thought. The, the last, the most recent three movies were a lot of fun. They were a lot of fun mm-hmm. to watch. I mm-hmm. really enjoyed seeing them. Um, Rogue One is in there too, but it's not. It's outside the thing. Yeah. I thought Rogue One was was one of the better ones. Um, I thought uh, I liked New Hope more than I liked Empire. Really? Yeah, wow. because I just turned on New Hope and was like, all right, here comes Star Wars. Yeah, because I saw Jedi when I was like five at a sleepover, but that was that didn't count. Sure. Yeah. yeah, it was yeah. Like oh, you know, Wookiees or not yeah. Wookiees, Ewoks. Ewoks. Um, so yeah, I, but I remember watching New Hope and just going like. Within 15 minutes, I was like,
2: oh, I'm in. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It like, It, it, it yeah. is impeccably constructed in that way because yeah. you, it just drops you right into the thing. Yep. You get the opening crawl, and you're like, okay, cool. Yeah, and as soon as Vader, sh- even before that, you know, with Leia putting yep. the thing in R2-D2, you're like, wait, what? what? And then what Vader time? shows up, and you're like, oh,
1: oh, okay. And then it's Luke in the in the speeder thing, and then he's mm-hmm. just like, oh, I have to... I'm 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 a Jedi. What's going on? And mm-hmm. I, and it's just like, and now you're gonna figure out your whole world. And I love yep.
2: Genesis story. I love
1: yep. the 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 man starts the journey. Yep. I dig it's, that.
2: It's very, it's very Cambellian. Yeah. Uh, you know, like very much follows those beats. Yeah. Like and yeah, it's mm, beautiful. It's good comfort food.
1: <sighs> All right. Why well, don't go back and watch him again? All right. <laughs> uh, I may I may just do it again. I really I thought Force Awakens was probably my favorite though. Strangely enough. Really? Yeah. Of of the that thing, makes sense. of my favorite one to watch. Yeah. Right. I think yeah. that was probably the one I had the most fun watching. Mm-hmm. Um for a lot of reasons. Uh Kylo Ren being the primary one, I think. Yes. yes. Uh so let's bring it on home. Uh worst show you ever did. Could be a single night, could be a single performance, could oh, be man. a run, could be anything. Um that's a good
2: question. We've um, had stories
1: like the time I split my pants, the time the uh,
2: director gave us real weapons to use, things like mm, that. You know, you know, there was there was one time where um, I did the show with my old theater company, um, the Right Brain Project, and um, this actually happened after the show. We were doing a photo call. Um, I'm, I'm sure it's fine that I say this, but um, we were doing a photo call, and there was magic in the show, and there was this one prop that one of the actors had to use that would essentially, like, make flame appear in, sure. in their hands. Um, and we were doing a photo call, and we always had a fire extinguisher, like, ready on hand in case something went wrong. Will you explain a additional. photo call real quick? Yes, so uh, the, a photo call is what happens when you get the uh, actors and, and crew together to uh, take photos of the show. Um, sometimes this is done during a run of the show, sometimes it's done before or after the show. Right. We always did them afterwards just because we found that you can get better images that way. Totally a, can. Yeah, They're a, not as great for promo, but you can get better shots. Exactly, exactly. And those those are good for like the actors and, and crew to use for, you know, their websites and stuff. Mm-hmm. But anyway, we were doing um this call, and it was this weird thing that the actor was having to use, and like it was also just uh, you know, kind of it was a long weekend, long show, and um it was kind of late, and something happened where like it fell out of uh, their hands and uh, it, part of the stage lit on fire. So then we had to use the <laughs> fire extinguisher. And um, this was also when I was, you know, managing the company, and there were a bunch of other things going on. Oh yeah. And it was that it was like one of those nights where I was just like, why, why did I, why have I done what this am I doing in my stupid life? Yes. Yeah, I get that. I totally understand that. Um, <laughs>
1: so did like nothing burned? Nothing.
2: No, but it was it was definitely you know everybody leapt you know just like to try and fix the thing. Um, and I, for a brief moment, I was like, the the space is going to burn down. Like, this is yeah. it, you know? This you, is You get
1: nuclear in your head real fast and exactly. that kind of thing happens. Yeah. And it's my fault, and I will be the one who will go down in history as the guy who burned mm-hmm. down this theater company. Yes, yeah. yes. And um, ev- everybody was
2: just like, ugh! Uh, so... Yeah, well, that's life. Yeah,
1: uh, It's really good to see you, Joe. You too, and thanks man. for coming in, man. Thank, I Thank had you for a really, having We had a really good conversation. And um, I, I'm digging it. I've, You know, I, I don't know. I, I took a few weeks off. I feel like I'm back in the groove now. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm, I'm feeling good about it. Good. So hope everybody out there is feeling good about uh, whatever the hell you're doing right now, with, uh, regardless of what that might be. You're welcome to adopt my new Christmas uh, Super Bowl Yes, the new Christmas is what I'm calling it, by the way. Um, Yeah, you're welcome to adopt the new Super Bowl. Definitely check out anything that Joe's doing, except for the stuff that's already sold out. But if you could happen to squeeze out a ticket, uh, the show is called... Concerning Foster. And it is running at...
2: Evanston at the Noise Street Theater beautiful yes. excellent wonderful
1: look it up joe Ramsky, r-a-m-s-k-i shots uh and uh check him out check out all the things hope you're digging it. if you're digging the tunes today of course you can always find them on the bust him out the steamed audio companion to electric boogaloo a playlist so nice i named it something contrived twice and uh this is john batiste uh before this is pre colbert batiste uh this is thunder i dig this tune and i dig you and i'll see you next week